Hi, this is Anastasia Acker, and you are listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Welcome to episode number 32 of the Minnesota Music Shakedown, a podcast dedicated to spinning some of the best original Twin Cities and beyond area music. Featured this week are conversations and new music from Anastasia Acker, Mark Joseph, and Wave Cage. I'm your host, Mark Sterry. Check me out at MarkSterryMusic.com. And thank you for supporting live and local music. Hey, hey, hey. This is Mark Joseph, and you're listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Yeah, baby.
That was the song Deep Ellum Blues featuring Melvin Seals by Mark Joseph. Hear from him later in the program. Next up, Anastasia Acker talks her new album, Graveyard. Afterwards, hear the song, Adore Me. Anastasia Acker, welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So where are you Zooming in from today? I currently live in Woodbury, Minnesota. So from my apartment. Nice. I play Carmines in Woodbury. Have you ever been there before? I have driven past it. I will say I just moved to Woodbury in August. Okay. So I'm still like getting a lay of the land. (laughs) Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, We're here to talk about your new record, Graveyard. Can you tell us a little bit how you started this project, where you recorded it, where the ideas came from? Yeah, it's a little bit chaotic. The idea for the project started pre-COVID. Just I was going through a lot of time of loss in my life. Um, so it actually started with probably like five songs that did not make the final cut that we were like, these are it. Um, but COVID happened. I had a six year long relationship and during the middle of COVID, I got really sick. Everything kind of just got put on hold. Um, and then I actually moved to Pennsylvania for a couple of months ended up with a freak back injury, moved back home with my parents um, and started playing at this brewery, Badger Hill, um, who Michael Koppelman, who ended up producing and co-writing some of this album with me, owned at the time. Um, And he was like, we should record some of your stuff. And then we just kept writing and it kind of went from there. Where is Badger Hill Brewing? It is in Shakopee. It's right by Canterbury. Okay. That's a hike from Woodbury, isn't it? I used to live in Elko New Market, so I used to live really close. Okay. But yeah, it is it's a little bit of a drive. <laughs> so you was were you playing Worth down it, like though. open mic stuff or how were you playing down there? Were they booked gigs? Yeah, they just had open mics every Monday night. I randomly came across an Instagram ad for it and I was like, I haven't done one of these in a while. Um, and my brother's a big craft brewery guy. And I was like, do you want to come? I don't really want to go alone. Um, so that's kind of how we ended up there. I don't think I would have gone the first time my brother has been busy. Were you mostly just playing piano and singing? That's how you did it. I have a guitar. I do play a little piano, but not as, not as well. Okay. I gotcha. Um, so where did you track the record at? Um, at Michael's in-home studio. Okay. Um, what's that called? Uh, Tribe of Angels. Tribe of Angels. Studios. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what's your songwriting process then? Let's say you're, you're working on the song, Adore Me. Do you come up with like the title first, the chord changes first? How do you do your songwriting? I kind of come up with like chords I like and I like what do I want a major key? Do I want a minor key? Just kind of what feels good. Um, there are sometimes we're like, I guess you'd say most of the time I have a lyric idea first and then I just start like messing around with like what chords I want to go with that for the feel of it. Um, and then most of the time it just flows pretty naturally from there and I can get a song done in like, 10 to 15 minutes, but then there's sometimes where I'll have like 
pieces of a song that just like sit for months and I don't touch it and I'll come back and slowly piece it together. Who's some of your favorite lyricists? Taylor Swift. I would say she is good. I, I love her so much. Um, that she's been probably like the most consistent person that I've been like, every time she writes a song, it just hits for me. Um, more recently, I really love Gracie Abrams and I mean, Lana Del Rey too. How does Taylor, what's her songwriting process? I haven't really watched too much of her stuff. Does she write them on her phone and screw around? Like how does she go about writing her songs and what is it about her songs that resonate with you? I think it's like the lyricism of them all, like just the way she emotes feelings in her music where I'm like, oh, that's relatable. I've definitely felt that way before. Um, That just for me, I really get, I don't know, I feel like I grew up with her as silly as that sounds, but like every like album she released, like just fit a point of my life that I was in. It was like, okay, I feel kind of seen even when my parents are telling me I'm being dramatic about something in high school, like, oh someone else has had that feeling before. Um, I don't know her songwriting process all that well. I know she does like voice notes at the end of some of her albums where she'll talk through it and like how she's done it before and writing on a track versus just outright. Um, But I can't say specifically that I know. What was your favorite era? Reputation. Nice. Look what you made me do, right? Yep. Delicate is one. Of, it was, it grew on me, but that's been one of my favorite songs this past like year and a half. It was not an original song that I was like, this song hits when it came out, but then I was like, Oh, I get it now. And I really like it. Cool. Um, what's, what's some of the shows you have coming up for your record, I know you have a CD release or album release on 1027 at Badger Hill Brewing, but do you play other shows around? Yes, yeah, so I'm doing one in, it's really far out, February 10th at KJ's Hideaway in St. Paul. There, It's not in like my show specifically for this next one, but um, it's a showcase for all the people Michael Koppelman has worked with. And that is November 15th in Excelsior. Um, I should know where that is off the top of my head, but I do not right now. No worries. So let's go. Here's some songs I thought were stand out on the new record. Maybe you can talk about the story yeah. behind the song, uh, how you came up with them, or you recorded, or whatever kind of thing. How about the song Adore Me? Could you tell me the story behind that song? Yeah, this was a song that was one of the carryovers that I wrote in 2020 kind of before the world burned down, so to say, um, that I had previously like demoed at a different studio. I, excuse me, sorry, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold still. Um, this was a song that I took into like a writing session with, um, Owen Satori and Davide Riso out of F5 Soundhouse in, now uptown um and i wanted it to kind of like shift between the choruses so like it built a little bit um but i really wanted it to encapsulate like when you're trying to talk yourself out of breaking up with someone 
or like you've just broken up with them and you have the opportunity to like get back together and you kind of got to like, you're going down that spiral of like, well, it wasn't that bad. And we had a lot of good times, but then like you slowly do spiral and remembering that like at the end of it, like you're, you were over for a reason. I gotcha. How about my favorite one? Kind of a mess. This one almost did not make the record because we wrote it so close to the, like we added it at the end. The record was finished. We were just about to like send it to the publishers and Michael sent me the track for it. And he was like, you, you tend to like these chords a lot. Like, do you have anything you like? Sorry. The right now it's like kind of a mess as far as like how it was put together. So he was like, just ignore it. But like, think through the melody and the song and like, give me something back. So I was like, Oh, I really like that kind of a mess. And I just kind of went back to like, I started dating someone back in, I want to say it was 2021. And it was the definition of messy. And we ended up getting together in January of this year, like very solidly. Uh, But I was like, I've never like been in something this messy before and I don't think I've written about it yet. And he's just said, it's kind of a mess and that was kind of a mess. So here we go. Um, so that's kind of how that one came to be. He sent it to me and I think I had lyrics to him within like 10 minutes. Um, like when it comes, sometimes it just comes and I'm like, this works, I guess. Um, and then we got together maybe the next day or two and sat down and kind of worked out a little bit more structure to the song and broke it up a little bit differently than I'd originally had it. Um, and then we recorded it that day. We had drums put on it the next day. Um, and it's become my favorite song off the record. <laughs> Yeah, I like the the intro, the kind of the Def Leppard kind of guitar intro. Yeah, that's all Michael. He did the whole, he sent me the track for it. Um, that's been the funnest thing about working with Michael is he just like can kind of read my mind as far as like what I like in music. Um, so even when I can't like verbalize it, he's like, no, I, I get it. I got you. Cool. Another one I liked was... Uh the graveyard shift. I'd work the graveyard shift for you or something like that. Yeah. Um, that song was written. My childhood best friend passed away in 2022 and her mom had asked me, um, to write a song for her funeral. And I was like, I can try, but I make no promises. And her mom was like, everything is just so sad. And like, we want something like uplifting. I ended up getting COVID like three weeks before the funeral. I was just like, I will be lucky to make it to the funeral. I'm not in a place where I can do this right now. Besides the COVID, I like could not get out of bed for two weeks straight. Like it was just like, no, I like as much as I want to, like I cannot right now. Um, But you know, the year anniversary came around and I was like, maybe now you can write the song Um, a little late, but try what and I kind of wanted it to be more like one I wanted to like honor the 10 plus years of friendship we had and like how inseparable we were 
and then like let her know what had happened and what would she have wanted to know a year later um it's her story is now like it's made international news and um yeah can you share a little bit of her story yeah um i don't want to overshare because it's now in a court proceeding oh um but she passed away after being abused by her track coach. She was a D1 athlete in Florida. Um, and she um, she asked for so much help and sadly took her own life before transferring. Um, but Samantha Mathers covered her story and did it beautifully. And it's on her social media Um but a lot of women like Julia went and found all of these other girls who had stories of what had happened. I believe there was even a girl who the coach threatened to deport. if like she didn't lose enough weight in time for a meet. Um, so just like horrible things that kept getting swept under the rug. Um, so now her court case, I believe is going to the Florida Supreme court. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and what a nice tribute you created for your friend. Thank you. Uh, on a lighter note, what's your, what's your, <laughs> it's a little dark. If, if people want to check out your shows, your record, more about you, what's your social media stuff? Um, my social media is just Anastasia Acker. They share an A. So Anastasia, C-K-E-R. I believe my TikTok is Anastasia underscore Acker. I have a website. If you Google my name, it's there. Um, Everything's on my website. Have you always gone by Anastasia? It's a good stage Um, name. Or what? Like, that's your name? um, So my cousin and I, we are six months apart, and we were given the same name when we were born. So it's not... My legal name, it's what I've always been meaning to like get around to doing, but I was like, I kind of want to get through college before I like do it. I kind of want my brain to be fully developed before I like make this decision, even though it's what I've gone by for a long time. COVID happened, court shut down, and now I'm kind of just at the point where I'm like, I guess I'll just legally change it when I get married. <laughs> so, um, but most people call me Stas, um, for short. That's a good name yeah. too. Yeah, I I'm partial to Stas. I mean, I love Anastasia, but it's a it's a mouthful. So.
lost for you Your hands on me Getting lost under starlit trees Moments in time I'm frozen behind But all I hear you say is never mind Nothing ventured, nothing gained Nothing new, it's all the same You tell your friends I wasn't for you But I remember you say I adore you I adore you, oh you adore me Lie to your friends but don't lie to me Affair. I loved you with everything I had, you didn't care I would have slayed your dragons and I always told the line But I was just a piece of ass to you, not worth a dime on me, getting lost under starlit trees, moments in time I'm frozen behind, but all I hear you say is never mind, nothing ventured, nothing gained, nothing new, it's all the same, you tell your friends I wasn't for you, but I remember you say I adore you, I adore you, oh, you adore me, lie to yourself. Next, Mark Joseph talks his new album, Palisade Peach. Afterwards, check out the title track. Mark Joseph, welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, Mark? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, what blues, modern blues or whatever, have you been listening to lately? Modern blues that I've been listening to? Let's see, a um, modern one for me to check out and the classic. Okay. Yeah. Modern, I mean... Man, I'm kind of old school guy, so immediately I'm like, hmm, let me think here. Or just go classic. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll go with classic first to see if I can come up with anything. I mean, I'm always into BB uh, King and uh, Muddy Waters and um, a lot of the class. Freddie King is one of my favorites. Oh, of all God, time. he's one of um, my favorites. Yeah, I, uh, you know, was heavily influenced by all those guys in the early days. Um, so, you know, as far as blues goes, like, those are always cornerstones for me. Um, you know, as I've been doing uh, a lot of these interviews and getting ready for these shows, um, I've actually been, uh, listening to a lot of, uh, Jerry Jamat, the bass player who's on half of my record, um, listening to his discography, which is just crazy. Um, a lot of the work he did with BB King and Wilson Pickett, and, uh, he's a bass player on Aretha now. And it's just like, it's just been wild listening to some of that, uh, stuff, just such good grooves and, uh, feels, you know. Do you think there's any way to rank the three kings? 
Uh, only by your own personal, uh, you know, taste, I would say. I, I think there's, I, you know, every time Guitar World or Rolling Stone does these like top 250 things, I'm just, I don't know. I would never want to be that editor, you know. Music is, I think, uh, really up to the, you know, the beholder, whoever's listening to it, observing it for whatever reasons they, uh, they love it. You know, that's that's what art's great. Music's great because all these different flavors and feels that come out, you know. Um, I don't, I couldn't possibly rate the three. I love all three of them. So, yeah, me but, uh, too. Me too. I just want to think that Albert's my favorite. I listen to some Freddie. Just want to think Freddie's my favorite. I listen to some seventies BB King, you yep. know, just, uh, yep. love the stuff. So I'm seeing you dressed up in Mark Joseph merch. Where do you get your stuff printed? <laughs> yeah. Um, this, let's see. I do uh, Wentworth screen printing in Minneapolis is one of my main ones. Uh, they do a lot of my shirts um hats things like that this particular one i'm wearing is um from a company called hidden bay graphics i believe it is in uh they're up north i want to say uh uh blanking on where they're located bayfield yeah maybe bayfield wisconsin um yeah we work with a bunch of different people um you know this hat is just right on time it's getting a little chilly in minnesota right now so yeah man where did you where are you from I grew up in Northfield, Minnesota. Okay. And how'd you get into music and stuff? Uh, music uh, came up, uh, you know, in the church, uh, singing in church. Uh, my grandfather played piano, kind of like a, he had this like uh, 1930s, 40s kind of stride jazz style that he uh, he used. And on everything he played, it kind of was like uh, ingrained in him. So we did a lot of singing around the piano um coming up and to be uh, clear to be clear yeah. so it's satanic church right no, no. not, <laughs> not exactly not exactly robert no. johnson Back sold in, your soul to the devil i'm just joking around the cross crossroads came later yeah uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no it was uh roman catholic actually uh pretty pretty strict though uh you know but um i came up singing and you know with a lot of music around me um, a lot of jazz um you know, uh, in those early days. And then, uh, yeah, I saw BB King when I was 10 and that was it. That changed everything for me. Um, and, uh, so I started playing guitar with the fever after that and just, uh, running with blues and then it was rock and roll and then it was into fusion and reggae and bluegrass and you name it. I'm really into everything. Cool, um, man. So tell us about your new yeah. record Palisade Peach. Yeah. Palisade Peach. This is my, uh, it's a return to the blues for me. Um, I did a blues record in 2019, uh, called the musician and the muse. And, um, that was, uh, I, I worked with the same producer. Um, so Steve McCormick produced this one as well. And, uh, it is an all-star, uh, blues, you know, experience with lots of different feels from funky blues. There's uh, acoustic blues. There's like old school Chicago blues on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just really a roots, um a roots experience and uh yeah i just man uh i'm really excited about uh putting it out and you have a a cd release show on november 18th at the fitzgerald yeah the fitzgerald theater is our big hometown release event um we're also doing uh release shows right before thanksgiving here we'll be doing november 10th at the mint in los angeles uh, November 17th the lacrosse center in lacrosse wisconsin and then the fitzgerald theater on saturday november 18th so those are the first big kickoff ones and then uh after that it's uh it's the world <laughs> wow that's incredible 
so I'm a working musician. I play about four or five nights a week for the last 20 years, do uh, a bunch of different stuff. How do you just all of a sudden play a show in Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, you don't exactly. <laughs> it takes a lot of time and work, uh, effort and years of, uh, you know, kind of building up a name to be able to pull it off. Um, we'll see how it works out. Uh, I played the mint back in like 2009. Um, I actually recorded this record in Santa Monica. Uh, that's where uh, Steve McCormick, the producer studio is. And uh, a lot of the musicians uh, that we have on the record are kind of from the uh, Santa Monica Venice beach scene. Um, Stanley Barron's the harp player. Uh, Jerry Jamat lives in the area. Um, Albert Lee um, uh, lives in Malibu there. And uh, so, yeah, I felt right to go and release the record on the early stages, uh, at least do one uh, release there in, in LA and who knows, we'll see where it leads from there, but I'm pretty, pretty stoked about it. Um, it's a beautiful, you know, place. I've been, I've probably been to LA more than any city in the, in the world since I, you know, since I first went there, I was 18. Are some of those players going to play on the release show? Yeah. Um, we'll have Stanley Barons. We'll be there on harp, uh, legendary harp player who played with Willie Dixon was in war, can heat, um, Steve McCormick, the producer, will be on it uh, playing slide guitar. And uh, Jerry Jamat, um, the legendary bass player, will be on the gig. And also uh, Tony Austin, uh, drummer, uh, will also be on the L.A. gig. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, I was going to ask you the story behind some of the songs on the record off Palisade Peach and maybe tell us yeah. about the songwriting or how you picked it or how you tracked it, off who played on it, that kind of stuff. Is that okay? Absolutely, yes. How about track number five, The Blues Rocker? Lots of tons of little fills of different instruments. Uh, Palisade Peach, what's the story behind that song? Yeah, Palisade Peach. Um, so that song, um, I was playing a, uh, I was playing a peach festival um, in Palisade, Colorado um, back you know, t- two years ago. Um, we had played the Telluride Mushroom Festival, and then we, were, uh, we added on this peach fest uh, right after it. I didn't really know much about the place, but we went there and uh, really had an amazing experience. The people of Palisade are very, uh, very kind, treat you like family. Um, it's this high desert uh, mountain town where these uh, some of the best peaches in the world grow, which is kind of crazy. Um, it uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but, but they do. And um, while I was there, um, I was just kind of having a great time. And just in this line, the turn of phrase hit me. Uh, Loving you is a treat. You're my Palisade peach. Wrote that down in my notes and, uh, you know, came back to it. And uh, and then kind of was, you know, that that sentiment I filled out, you know, wrote the rest of the lyrics kind of based around that kind of fun turn of phrase, you know. Um, you know, Palisade peach being like a unique, you know, thing that grows in a very strange place, right? Like, in, like you could equate it to inspiration or a really cool person, somebody you love, you know. Um, and then, yeah, the track just, just came alive. Uh, Jerry Jamat plays the baseline on it and it just bounces. I mean, he's just got that bounce. Uh, Michael Jerome is the drummer, uh, another, uh, fabulous, fabulous LA musician. And the, that rhythm section just, which makes up about half of the tracks on Palisade Peach, just like blew up. It just, I mean, I remember looking at each other in the, in the studio when we we're hearing the, hearing the playback and just like being so excited about what we we're hearing. Um, so that's a little bit about that one. Yeah. How about number six, Deep Deep Elm Blues? Is that based out of Dallas? Deep Elm? Yeah, Deep Yeah, Deep Elm is a district. Uh, it's now an arts district, but uh, it's uh, it, it was infamous back in the day for uh, 
for uh, prostitution and nightlife and all kinds of going on. Uh, uh, the song is a, is a very old blues song. It's probably about 100, I want to say 120 years old. It's been around for a long time. So this is our take on it. Um, it's very kind of part funky. of the blue. Yeah, we and went heart for base, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, I did that, and it, we yeah we slowed it down a little bit. Um, that was the first song we did uh, in the sessions, and uh, I remember uh, Tony Austin sat down at the drums and started playing the groove, which is what you hear. Um, it felt really good. I um, when I play that song live, I tend to play a little faster, um, I, I, you know, and I, I uh, but I just really liked what he started playing when he sat down at the kit. And I'm a big, uh, especially in the studio, like I'm really all about trying to capture a moment or a vibe, you know, um, energy. And it doesn't really bother me if like um, songs, like maybe they sound a little different live versus the studio. I think uh, that's what's beautiful about albums. It's like it's, it's an experience, you know. And so um, I, I went with it. Um, we had talked it over with the producer a little bit, but I was like, man, I like this feel Tony's playing. Let's just let's just go with it. And uh, we tracked it at that tempo, and uh, and everybody dug it, so we went with it. Um, yeah. How about number seven, Daisy Train, that Tex-Mex Daisy. rocker? Yeah, man, Daisy Train. Uh, that's a it's a fun uh, it's a fun one. We um, so we wrote that uh, sort of as a template for Albert Lee to just shred on, you know. Um, we had the intention obviously of trying to work with him. Um, we had, it, it was looking like it was going to work out. So, um, we were developing this concept of this song and uh, definitely the tempo so he could do his thing on it. Um, I also love country music, um, and I play bluegrass and everything. So we felt like that was a good place for me to meet him, you know, sonically. And so, uh, we started writing it and, uh, made sure it had that real, cooking tempo and uh you know we were um musing on the uh festival express documentary about that infamous tour that uh the grateful dead and the band and janice joplin did across canada and so that's where the lyrics kind of come from we were writing about um kind of that experience and how uh apparently they ran out of whiskey on the train at one point and uh you know, Canadians were kind of like freaked out by how much they drink and party. And it was this kind of a wild, wild trip. There's a documentary about it you can check out, which is pretty fun. But um, yeah, so that's kind of the premise of that one. Who would be your Mount Rushmore of blues vocalists? Ooh, blues vocalists, huh? I like it. This is good. Uh, well, I think that you've got... Um, I think you got to add a James up there for sure. You know, she's got to be up there. I think you've got, um, Oh man. I always forget like somebody when I'm doing this, like, um, you know, BB King, his voice is, is, is so strong and so iconic. Um, I would say he's probably there. Um, muddy waters, you know, how does he not go up there? You know, and, um, you know, I would say to round it out, I'd say maybe like, uh, even though she falls a little more into jazz, still, still has got the blues though too, would be uh, Billie Holiday probably, you know, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just so, so tough to even pick four, but, uh, that's fun. You know, and there's no women on Mount Rushmore. So you gotta, you know, we gotta make sure the ladies get some, uh, 
get some appreciation too. I definitely hear you. What's your social media stuff if people want to check out your shows, your new record, that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, all socials are Mark Joseph Music. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat. Uh, I'm even on TikTok. I don't even know what I'm doing there, but it's, I'm doing something. Uh, so you can come and watch me do something on TikTok. I've got YouTube, all the stuff. So Mark Joseph Music. And uh, yeah, the, our albums uh, comes out tomorrow, so you can pick it up anywhere and listen anywhere tomorrow. So. so, how did you pick your stage? Your name, Mark Joseph. So, if you think about all these old blues guys, or many of the old blues guys, they had nicknames or these kind of weird, cool blues names. Um, if you had to give yourself one, like let's say Mark, what is it, Bleeding Heart, Mark Joseph, or or um, what would be a good blues name for you to tag on to your name? Uh, like yeah. Hound Dog uh, Taylor and, uh, <laughs> you know, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. The Texas um, Cannonball. To... The Texas Cannonball. Yeah, the Texas yeah. Cannonball. Texas um, Cannonball, yes. Yeah, man. Um, you know, they used to call me the Digger when I was, uh, when I was playing hockey, you know, as a kid. Um, they call me Grundy. It was a family nickname. You know, uh, I've been, you know, they called me Ripper before, you know, ripping solos, uh, you know, who knows, man. You let me know if you come up with a good one. Ripper Mark <laughs> Joseph. All right. The, the Ripper. Yeah, right. Girl, your love's a treat. You're my palisade peach.
like to take a minute or two to thank the two sponsors of this week's podcast, Mosaic Chrysler Zombrota and the B-Dale Club. Saturday, I had the night off, visited my high school buddies, went around to Shoreview, seven brothers, played a little cards, or tried to anyway, and had the first round of snow, my first test of my Jeep Cherokee X I got from Mosaic Chrysler Zombrota, and that thing ran like a top. I didn't even blink an eye. It was beautiful. Mosaic Chrysler Zombrota, their philosophy is simple. Time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out the inventory at ZombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out Mosaic Chrysler Zombrota today. Enjoy a safe fall, hopefully fall a little longer, season full of adventures and memories. Out on that open road in a new ride. Next up, the Beedell Club, the BDC 2100. One of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The Beedell Club, located on the corner of County Road B and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is the stone cold truth. Had a great time Thanksgiving Eve. Rocking out with Johnson down at the BDC 2100. Got trivia tomorrow night. I don't know when you'll be hearing this, but uh, that's a, check out one of those trivia nights. Just have a blast putting that on. And looking forward to having Stephen C. in December doing a Christmas show there. Natalie, Shelley, Dustin, the entire bar staff, all the state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, my libation of choice is the classic screw-up cocktail. 
Now to quote 16-time world champion, Ric Flair tasted little devils. Live music, pool table, pull tabs, Tuesday night, chess society, trivia, bingo, beat raffle, bocce ball, Thursdays, when in season, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one. Now. Next up, I speak with Wave Cage about their new album, Even You Can See in the Dark. Ryan, Christopher, Nolan, Jarrett of Wave Cage. Welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, guys? Going great. Doing good. All right. So Ryan reached out to me about being on the podcast. He sent over your new record, Even even When You Can See in the Dark. And I thought it was awesome. So I'd love to have you guys on. So uh, what's the story of your band here? Maybe introduce Ryan, who everybody is on the page right now. Yeah, so I'm Ryan. I am currently in Clear Lake, Iowa, in transit to the Twin Cities, where I live. Um, and then we also have Chris, Jarrett, and Nolan, who live in Iowa City, Iowa. Um, and we met, well, Chris, Nolan, and I have been playing music together for going on eight years. Chris and Nolan have been playing music together for 12 since the, earth, since the earth cooled, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we uh, we linked up with Jarrett uh, while he was at the University of Iowa and we were at the University of Northern Iowa uh, maybe like five or six years ago. So we go we go pretty far back and we played in a bunch of groups together. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how the band started is playing music in all these different groups. Cool. Do you guys play a lot of shows together? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Well, it's it's been a little bit. We've uh, we've had a little bit of time off, a couple of weeks off. But like over the summer, we were really busy. Over the last year, I would say we've played quite a few shows. Um, but since we've been working on the album, it's it's kind of slowed down a little bit. But we also play a lot um, with other people, so we see each other kind of all the time and are are constantly playing together. But um, it's been at least a couple of weeks for me since we've had a wave cage gig. Uh, you guys had one a couple of weeks ago in Michigan that I wasn't at, but um, yeah, we play together quite a bit. I have actually visited the Iowa Music Hall of Fame. I believe it's in Okaboji, I think. Mm-hmm. I was playing shows down at Captain's Getaway, and I've had folks from the Iowa Music Hall of Fame on the show. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Nadas. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, so those are those are buddies of mine. I love those guys, and uh, they've been on. And it was it was kind of funny when I was down there. One of the biggest acts I saw in the in the Iowa Music Hall of Fame was freaking uh, was it Corn? Uh, Not Corn, Slipknot. Slipknot. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep, they're all from Des Moines. That's hilarious. Yes, I used to play down yeah. in Des Moines too. Uh, how did you guys get started making this record? Um, I think it started out initially, we had written several of these songs before we knew they were going to be on a record necessarily. Um, these are some of the first songs that we wrote. Even The title track, Even You Can See in the Dark, was one of the first songs that we wrote for the band. And we wrote it long before we had even dreamed of putting a record together. Um, we wrote it before we released our first EP, but we didn't put it on our EP. Um, and so, I mean, it, it really came from nothing from there. And then at some point we started having enough tunes together that we liked that we thought kind of sounded cohesive. And then we ended up got getting a some funding from the state of Iowa from from Arts and Cultures grant. And that kind of kicked things off further for us to finish up and collaborate with some of our buddies from around the state to put the full record together. Um, we probably finished recording it 
well, I guess we did most of the work throughout like 2021, I'd say. Um, and then, yeah, basically we kind of finished at the beginning of this year. I'm not very versed on music with spoken word on top of it. And this song, even you can see in the dark, has some spoken word pieces on it. Actually, one of an artist I really do like from the 70s, Gil Scott Heron used to do that. He kind of had these funky beats and he'd do his thing over the top. What's your guys' influences in or inspiration to putting that on top of your music? That song, I guess, in particular. Yeah, I think it kind of started with with that whole grant idea. We um, the part of the purpose of the grant was to reach out to local artists that we liked and just to see if they'd be interested in collaborating. Um, and it was not necessarily an open call, but we kind of just made a list of all the people that we had worked with or people that we kind of wanted to work with. Um, and Caleb was one of those people. I think Jarrett, you had worked with him before. Yeah, uh, doing some like improv behind his poetry. Yeah, and I think you kind of were like, "Hey, maybe this would be cool." And and um, like once you had mentioned that, we all kind of like realized that that has been something that's in been on some of the records that we listened to, like um, uh, Black Radio. Robert Glasper has a bunch of that, and like it, it's kind of been in in the vein of the stuff that we've been listening to. So we were all just really open to it. And um, I don't know, I hadn't really considered it as like a new age thing. It's like, cause we all listen to podcasts nowadays and there's like music behind podcasts. So it seems like kind of this, this natural evolution that we're all kind of combining the things that we know about. And um, we sort of came up with something unique of our own by, by collaborating with Caleb. I think it was, it worked out really well. Did you write what he was saying or did he just do No, that? he did. Yeah, he came up with all of that, which I like I didn't really understand until it happened that like he had written all of this poetry. Um I believe it was for us, right? Like he didn't Yeah, it was specifically for those pieces that we basically sent him the songs that we'd written and said, Hey, how how what can you do with this? And I guess we gave him some thematic material too that we wanted to cover like on the album. Um, but he wrote all of that material and then we ended up kind of producing around it, I guess, to kind of carve out the song. But yeah, as far as like the writing goes for the, for the, for the lyrics, that was all Caleb for sure. How do you guys and, do yeah. your songwriting process like musically? Do you does somebody come up with a riff and you guys build off that or how do you guys go about doing that? Well, for some of these songs on this record, they were actually written for us for the recording session. Um and like like we said, like some of the songs we had already had up until this point that I think were kind of an evolution of ideas that we had had. Um, but some of them were like fully fully written out for us that we had never seen until we got to the session and put it together there. Wow, that's interesting. I don't even remember how Dark came about. Like, I don't remember how the other songs were born, like... It's been so long. I think, I think initially it was a lot of just. I think even you can see in the dark was just a lead sheet chart that we were playing. Um, that we ended up deciding that we wanted to do a lot more with than just you know play as a regular jazz head chart. Um, I think breakout the second track that was mostly Ryan, um, but then I think Ryan, you and Nolan kind of came together and worked out some of those horn parts. So, you know, honestly, I think all of the songs they usually 
start with an idea, but we all contribute something to it. And it kind of just evolves from there rather than any like one person specifically. Yeah. Breakout was one of my other favorite ones in the record. I wanted to ask you how that song came about. Yeah, it was, uh, I think I, there was like a Mac Miller track, uh, that I listened to and it had the da, 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 da chord rhythm chord rhythm. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And so then it became breakout. Um, but it's, it's cool. Uh, Cause we kind of like the guys were saying, we kind of layer stuff together where like we come up with like a, a really kind of like a form and a melody. And then Jared will get a hold of it and add some crazy synths. And then Chris will get a hold of it and then add some more like some drum stuff. And then Nolan and I can, we play with pedal boards and use a lot of electronics and what we're doing. And so then we kind of like, kind of like build this, this track from the ground up. Um, off, I mean, starting with something as simple as just like a rhythmic pattern from a pop tune or hip hop tune, you know? Um, so it's, and I think we kind of, when, so we have new music we're working on too. Um, and as, as we do this, we're kind of like trying to embrace the remote recording thing where can we do stuff external to each other? So then when we come together, it's like, we're really hitting the ground running. That's, a, that's another topic. That's another topic. <laughs> When you guys, when Ryan first sent me your guys' I think SoundCloud link or whatever, I was actually traveling to a show with my bass player, and I was kind of just clicked. I'm like, oh, let's see these guys, if they should be good candidates for being on the show. When it popped out right away was just sonically how good it sounded. It sounded super professional and, and uh, very high quality and thought out. And where did you track this record at? It sounds great. Thank you. Um, we uh, tracked it uh, at my old job, which was the University of Iowa. We kind of did it on the DL. <laughs> um, but there's there's a lot of nice gear there, and um, it was made available to us to make this record. Um, so that was a lot of a lot of the the lifting for the quality of it was just starting with really nice gear. Um, in a nice room and then we spent you know two years like going back and forth on on you know synth sounds and drum sounds and like just really picking over all these little details to to try to make it as as clear and uh, clean as we could get it I think at least for me like that was one of the the main reasons um or not not reasons but main like drivers for the sh- for the album was like I, I wanted to make it sound as professional as possible, even though it was something that we had done kind of on a DIY um, budget or situation, you know, um, to kind of have our hands on every single part of the process was was really important to me, um, just so that we had something that we kind of had total control of. Um, Outstanding. Uh, how about the song Not This Time? The amazing female vocal on that one. What's yeah, the story behind awesome. that song? So I wrote, I wrote that song, the melody and the chords and the form, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe I don't around then. And I was like, I wrote a couple lyrics and I'm like, no, nah, it's like, it sucked. <laughs> uh, and then I, I brought it to the band. And I'm like, guys, I think this is like, almost to be like a song song. And we've played like, it's kind of set up or I guess when I wrote it originally, it was set up like with a verse chorus type thing. And so it kind of lends itself that naturally. Um, so we played it as a, 
as our quartet for about probably like two years. And then uh, when, when we were making the record, it was like, okay, we should find someone to write some lyrics for this. Um, and our friend Ellie was just a perfect candidate and she just knocked it out of the park. I mean, that's, I think she killed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great song. Yeah. Great soulful song. Super cool tune. Um, so the album artwork is pretty interesting too. Who did your album artwork? The art that was our good friend uh, Drew Morton is a great graphic designer who's done art for for us and for a ton of other bands around Iowa. Um, check him out; he's really good. He does so much great work, like in the digital space, and like also taking real still images and adding his own sort of like digital crossover with them with different types of effects and like so many different patterns that you can find in nature. He'll kind of intertwine into a digital side of his artwork too. So. Um, we wanted to go for a theme that felt sort of like you were looking off into space, but that it still was synthetic in a way too, to kind of play off of both of those, both of those things. And that's what Drew came up with. And it was awesome. Cool. And he was, he was one of those people that we had in mind early on for like wanting to collaborate with, like we knew we wanted to make this record and we knew when we were writing the grant that like we wanted Drew to make the artwork and then we wanted some visual aspect to accompany the the music live. And that's another thing that Drew is really good at is like, um, like in my mind, it starts as like those Windows media player visualizer that we used to have. <laughs> I wanted something like that. And Drew just like, he took that so many steps beyond. Um, and that was something that we had like in mind when we were writing the grant, like we wanted that from, from square one. And I think it worked out really well. Yeah. And along those lines, Drew also made um, a bunch of live visuals for us that we use when we perform. Uh, so we have, uh, I think most, if not all the album artwork is actually taken from the visuals that Drew made for us that perform or that play in the background on a projector when we perform. And so it's a, uh, it feels even more integrated and like it's really cool to kind of have that continuity across from our album to live performances uh, and also just look really cool yeah album's out the 27th of october and then our first show once the album's out is going to be uh that november 18th and that'll be uh you know a, a release party you could say and then we'll have some shows lined up in january that we don't actually have like publicized yet so you can keep an eye out for those but how long are you guys' performances um, it, it really depends. I think when we play these, like when we play these bills that are more like at indie venues or like rock venues and stuff, you know, we, we're playing like a 40 minute set. Um, but like, we also do this show. Um, we, I mean, the first Friday jazz show that we did last year and that we're going to do next year as well is, is like a two hour thing with a short break in between. So it's, <laughs> it can go, you know, a really wide range. Do you guys do any covers at all? We <laughs> we we used to cover um, some songs from The Legend of Zelda, <laughs> which is really fun. Um, I'm trying to think. Ryan, did you have some other arrangements that we had really early on of some other covers? Um, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's pretty much all originals nowadays, though. Where did you get yeah, the name yeah. Wave Cage? Uh, it's like a process of elimination, right? Like we came up with a bunch of words 
and like tried combining all of them. And I think that's kind of where we ended up, right? Yeah, we wanted yeah, something I think- like we wanted like a water like watery is not the right word, but like <laughs> like liquid, I think. Because we kind of were using all these pedals and stuff, so it kind of like felt like very like homogenous or swooshy or liquidy, watery, and fluid, type stuff. fluid. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Thanks, <laughs> fluid. So, yeah. So you guys have been hearing from Ryan, Christopher, and Jarrett. Nolan's been on mute the whole time because I don't know what's going on. Is he? You're at a strip club or what's going on, bud? No, it's okay. <laughs> You want to tell um, us a joke or something? Some, <laughs> there's some very good saxophone players t- testing their horns here, so I'm trying to keep the audio clean. <laughs> I'll leave it on for now. We're good. We got most of it done. Um, anyway, uh, quick question for all you guys. Since Minnesota Music Shakedown, whatever, I still have people from all over on here. Um, besides a few bands from Iowa, I don't know a ton of about the, the music scene down there. How about go around each one of you guys recommend a local or your favorite band from Iowa that our listeners should check out. Nolan, you want to go ahead since you haven't talked yet really much, bud? <laughs> um, like any genre, any genre, death metal, preferably no, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> death metal. Um, oh, shoot. There was a band we shared a build with named, uh, well, after the band leader, Allegra Hernandez, that's a really great, like pop punk, original stuff and they just they just shredded the last time we played with them and I, I don't even know how long they've been around but it sounded like they've been playing for years so check them out cool Jarrett you got one yeah um there's a band here called Jack Lyon um all these guys from Iowa City See, and they're kind of I knew similar, Jarrett was like, gonna say that one so yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to I mean my roommate's the drummer for the band so it's kind of a, a plug for him too but no it's a great like electronic jazz stuff kind of in a similar vein as us um but yeah really fun how about you christopher uh i'm gonna go with two um i'm gonna speak for nolan here because he didn't say it but um you gotta check out the blues legend bob door if you don't know about him you have to know about him i probably should have said that that. i'm a I'm yeah. a huge blues fan. My music I mostly Bob, play is funk and blues and rock and roll. So who's that? Let me write that down. Bob, yeah, Bob Door with two R's. Nolan, you can you can give him the rundown. Um, hopefully, if I talk, it'll be less noisy. But I've I've this guy has been playing in Iowa since the '70s. He's open for Buddy Guy and Junior Wells, uh, Junior Walker. He's a uh, I'm supposed to play with him tomorrow night pending. Uh, we have a sick band, band member, but I've been playing with him for 12 years, just real like root and junk blues and rockability and stuff like that. Um, great harmonica player, drummer and singer. So check him out. He's got his own radio show on public radio. Uh, I don't think I could get much more of a plug than that. So Does he want, <laughs> you want to, you guys want to have him on the podcast sometime, Nolan? Yes. Uh, Sure, you can reach out to him. He's he's done radio for a long time, so I'm sure he'd love to offer his voice. All right, sounds that. good. That sounds great, guys. Ryan, what's your Iowa band? Uh, we have a mutual friend named Kyler Boss, and uh, he writes insane music. Uh, I mean, or like huge cinematic, gent, uh, electronic 
soundscapes. I mean, it's just really cool. And uh, Kyler's a good friend of ours, and he actually wrote uh, the tune Bumpus on the record. Uh, so, yeah, really enjoy Kyler's writing and creativity. Uh, yeah. I guess you're sitting by one of the most famous Iowa death spots, Ryan, at, uh, if you're in Clear Lake, Iowa, at uh, the Surf Ballroom with Buddy yes, Holly and all those folks, Richie Valens, Big Bopper. Um, have you guys ever played that room? You have. Uh, yeah, I have. They they have a lot of like the like the dance bands, you know, like the the thirties and forties swing play there because that's kind of like originally what what uh, what they had there. And uh, touring acts like rock acts and like soul acts will play there and stuff. So it's it's an all purpose venue, but it is pretty cool to play there and see that dance floor filled up with like swing dancers and check out the museum. So, yeah, it's a cool room. Cool room. What's your guys' socials if people want to follow you guys, check out your new record, check out some upcoming shows? Yeah, so on Instagram, we're at Wave Cage Band. Uh, and that's where we're at on Facebook as well. And we're also on YouTube. If you just look up Wave Cage, you can find we have some. Uh, we're actually in the process of releasing some videos that we did last year with, uh, with Caleb, who's on our record. Uh, that was recorded at the James Theater in Iowa City, so we have some video content up there as well. Um, I'd like to give a quick plug to the label that we're releasing on, which is Shifting Paradigm Records, um, who's based out of the Twin Cities, uh, run by Zach Harris, who's just a great guitar player and band leader uh, based out of the Twin Cities. And they do a lot of, a lot of great things for Minnesota jazz and kind of jazz around the Midwest, and we're really thankful to be working with them. And uh, check them out because they're always releasing really interesting music um, from from Minnesota musicians and musicians around the Midwest. And then I think, depending on Mark, when the podcast release, we could probably announce that we have a show in Minneapolis on January thirteenth um, at Daybock Brewing. Uh, I think it'll be at seven thirty, uh, and we'll be posting about it on our socials, um, and it'll be on the Daybock Daybock website and such. And we can forward that info to you if that'd be helpful or um, helpful to share out. So yeah, come see us. Uh, come see us on January thirteenth at Daybock. Great, and that's another. I'm getting good podcast guest ideas. The guy that, that runs your label, he'd be a good one to have on the podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been really hustling in the scene for a long time. Uh, just a really nice guy and, and a really amazing musician. Uh, we're really thankful to work with him. And a lot of good bands also on the label. Tons, yeah. tons of good musicians on there. Bringing home this week's episode of the Minnesota music shakedown is a track by one of the featured guests this week, wave cage with their song breakout. This has been the Minnesota Music Shakedown. If you'd like to toss a buck or two in the podcast tip jar, please go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Starry Music. Thanks to Andrew Crowley from Organica Recording for assisting in post-production. If you like what I do, check out my website, markstarrymusic.com. For artists or song submissions, please email me at markstarrymusic at gmail.com or message me on social media. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.